The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 591 for October 8th, 2017. Google announces new Pixel hardware, a new handset from BlackBerry, and another week, another iOS update. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first in the news, Google took the stage on Wednesday to announce new products, including both mobile handsets and in-home media devices. First up, a smaller version of its Google Home in-home assistant product. Like the original, the Google Home Mini has a fabric body, multiple microphones, light-up LEDs, a speaker, and support for Chromecast speakers. It comes in coral, chalk, and charcoal, and users can speak to it with questions and also the built-in Google Assistant for commands. Google Home Mini will retail for $50 and goes on sale October 19th. Pre-orders available now. Next up, the Google Home Max. This is a more powerful, music-focused version of the Google Home product. It features two 4.5-inch woofers, two uh, 0.7-inch tweeters, and the ability to play music at high party-level volume. The software tunes the speaker to work best with the local environment. It supports cast, Bluetooth, and auxiliary input for a variety of sources. Google Assistant is built in, of course, and Home Max works with Play Music, as well as Spotify and other streaming music services. It can stand horizontal or vertically to fit in any space in most homes and apartments. It uh, features a year of free YouTube Red, which offers ad-free uh, listening. And Home Max will be available in December for $400 in chalk or charcoal. Now, before we jump into some of the other stuff, I think both of these devices are pretty interesting because of the, obviously the um, you know the competition that's out there right now for the in-home uh, you know devices, whether it's the Alexa devices or uh, Apple's new HomePod product. Uh, and so Google is stepping up their game and they're saying, well, we've got one that is definitely focused on music, you know, so you, you can get, let's say, squarely at the Sonos crowd, if you will, or the HomePod pod crowd. And the other is more like the Echo Dot uh, type of a device. And, and obviously, if you're in the Google e- ecosystem and you enjoy uh, being able to use the Google Assistant, uh, also making phone calls is now something we'll talk a little bit more about that. These seem like uh, the better way to go if you're into all of those things. Right. And even Sonos, uh, what it announced an update, wasn't it this week that they're going to uh, put Alexa support in? So yeah, the, the wars just keep heating up for these uh, these voice assistants. And it sure does seem like the Apple's really far behind in their support and even just the, the functionality of it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, when you're looking at these types of uh, services, these are, you know, the first of these really, I'll say the second round of these devices, but still feeling like some of the first generation products. And, and, and ultimately, there's going to be a lot more that can be done with them in the future, as it's almost like people just figure out what they want to be doing with these things that are always on and always listening to you while you're in your home. Right. So there's a little bit of a creepy factor to them as well. But uh, it, it, we that aside, I wonder if these are going to be long-term products or it's just a fad that uh, it's kind of fun for right now because it's kind of cool. You can talk to something. And if uh, the long-term usability, I'm, I'm still wondering if there's a if it's a long-term product here or if this is just a few years and these things will be uh, forgotten about. I don't know. I think about Sonos and the kind of the, the base that they've built up with this. And ultimately, I think that these are the types of products that could kill off a company like that long-term if the right 
feature set is built into them. Um, I, I have no interest in swapping out my Sonos. I, I think it works great for what it is. It has the integrations that I need, and I don't need to talk to something within for this particular device that I have, which is in the kitchen. But uh, certainly I could see if there are other features that come about, then this could make a lot more sense. But uh, either way, it's uh, nice that they are offering two different options. Again, one that's available in the Mini and then also the Max uh, coming uh, later this year. Now, on the software side, Google said its home-based Google Assistant product can easily find your Android or iOS smartphone. Owners can speak, OK, Google, find my phone, and the Assistant will ring Android smartphones or send a call to iPhones, even when the phone is on silent mode. Google envisions this as a quick and helpful way to find missing handsets around the house. Moreover, Google has improved the voice calling feature to include users' mobile phone numbers. So now voice calls made via Google Home will show the owner's registered number. Previously, it was showing only home-based calls as unknown or unlisted in the caller ID. The calling feature is also now available for users in the UK. This is the first country to get the service outside the U.S. Then it was on to the star of the show, the new Pixel phones. Google announcing the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL, both running Android 8 Oreo and featuring a new assistant bar placed at the bottom of the home screen. Assistant is always available and working in the background to tie together the various things people do throughout the day, such as homebound commutes. The devices share most hardware features, including aluminum designs, glass front and rear panels, 12 megapixel main cameras, and rear mounted fingerprint sensors. The camera has the ability to uh, optically and electronically stabilized video at the same time. It includes a feature called motion photos, similar to the iPhone's live photos. And the Pixel 2 has a 5-inch 1080p OLED display, while the Pixel 2 XL has a 6-inch 11 by 9 uh, aspect ratio quad HD plus that's 2880 by 1440 plastic AMOLED display. This is similar to the LG V30. Both phones meet IP67 for protection against water and dust. The smaller Pixel 2 comes in blue, black, and white and costs $649. The larger Pixel 2 XL comes in just black and white and costs $849. Those include 64 gigs of storage. 128 gig option is available for $100 more. The devices are available for pre-order and begin shipping on October 17th. Now, uh, Google also revealed that both of these handsets will include a built-in eSIM card, allowing people to skip traditional SIM cards if they use the Project Fi service. During the initial setup, owners will be asked if they want to use the embedded eSIM, and Google says it will do the heavy lifting of activating the eSIM on its network, meaning you no longer need to go to the store and get a SIM for the wireless service or wait a few days for the card to arrive, fumble around with a bent paperclip, and then get the SIM in and out of the slot. Uh, for the now, the eSIM is being tested on the new Pixel handsets only, so users will have to purchase the Pixel directly from the Play Store or Project Fi to take advantage of the eSIM. Those looking to use the device with other carriers will still have the option of inserting a nano SIM card into the traditional SIM slot. Google's new Pixel and Pixel 2 also coming with a 3.5 millimeter to USB-C headphone adapter in the box uh, since Google has removed the traditional audio jack from the devices but if you're planning to use your old headphones with the new pixel that adapter is in there but don't lose it it's twenty dollars if you'd like to replace it with a one if you do on the carrier side, Verizon is the only U.S. wireless carrier uh, that has the official capacity to sell the phone, uh, both the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL. This continues the uh, exclusive partnership that they had with last year's Pixels. 
Verizon's monthly pricing for the phones is in line with other flagship phones with the 64 gig Pixel 2 at $27 a month for 24 months and the 128 gig model at $31. 64 gig Pixel 2 XL is $35 and the 128 gig model is almost $40 a month for 24 months. People who choose to buy their Pixel 2 through Google will have the option to trade in last year's Pixel if they have one uh, at good rates, uh, so is so they say. For example, the unlocked 128 gig Pixel XL it has a trade-in value of $410, which is about half the cost of the new model. Best Buy also sells the new Pixel 2 phones, uh, though only a Verizon-branded version. Best Buy is also offering a $100 discount on all Pixel 2 models when activated with the new line of service with Verizon. T-Mobile also getting in the game. They're offering $325 back in the form of a MasterCard gift card when you activate a new line of service. It's a good deal, but uh, uh, only if you're interested in adding a new line of service, uh, as that's the only way that you will get it. Also, you are able to trade in other phones through the Google website uh, if you are looking to do so. Uh, I checked on uh, the pricing for my iPhone 6S. The value is not very good. It's only about $165 for it. So uh, they're definitely trying to get you to buy this device outright. Now, on the software side for the devices, new Pixels get unlimited original quality Google Photos uploads for what they call the life of the device. One of the main draws for the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL is the unlimited photos and video storage on Google Photos. Whereas all phones get unlimited high-quality uploads, Google offers unlimited storage for original quality photos at, and 4K videos all uh, for all media uploaded through the Pixel. Uh, with the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL, Google is guaranteeing unlimited photos and videos for the life of the devices which translates to the end of 2020. The cutoff date, though, varies based on the region. So in Canada and India, for example, where the Pixels are debuting later in the month, that date is actually listed as January 15th, 2021. But broadly, you get three years of unlimited, uncompressed photo and video uploads before it reverts to what Google calls high quality. The photos and videos that you upload uh, in that time will continue to remain at original quality, but following that deadline, you will only get the high quality standard upload option if you don't want to have your photos counted against your Google data quota. Now, moving on from the Pixels, but back into hardware, Google announcing the Pixel Buds. These are the Bluetooth headphones that provide direct access to the Google Assistant. All the controls are available through the capacitive touch surface on the right earbud, which supports tapping and swiping gestures. A touch and hold action activates the Google Assistant, which can open apps, spin playlists, and perform searches. Further, the Pixel Buds include real-time translations when used with a Google Pixel. People can ask for phrases to be translated, which can then be read aloud via the handset speaker. The headphones include a charging case, which provides up to 24 hours of battery life. Google says the Pixel Buds, which come in black, white, or blue, will go on sale for $160 in November. And finally, Google introducing a new version of its Daydream View VR handset. So both new Pixel phones are Daydream View functional and work with also uh, revised viewing hardware. Google says the lenses have been improved in order to create a wider, clearer field of view. The handset carries over the soft fabric covering and controller of the original, and it comes in fog, charcoal, and coral. Google says more than 250 Daydream titles are available to Android devices, and the amount of content available through YouTube VR has grown exponentially over the last year. Google's new Pixel handsets support Arc, or Arc Core, which is augmented reality, and Google expects fun add-ons such as sticker packs and, and other things to help people get off the ground with the AR content. The new Google Daydream View will be available later this year for $100 from the Google Store, Verizon, Best Buy, AT&T, and Amazon.
So obviously it's the big week for Google here. And, uh, you know, now that we've got release of the next pixels, that means, you know, Apple's or I'm sorry, Google is going into this, uh, you know, hardcore like they have with the Nexus, but a little bit more their own branding. So this is, uh, uh, you know, kind of good for Google and Android and to really reaffirm that they're they're They are, you know, dedicated to the platform as well and not just letting other uh, manufacturers go for it. And of course, the one thing that's, uh, you know, we don't have from the old Nexus days were some of the the really competitive, very good pricing that they had on some of those Nexus devices that were, uh, you know, half the price of what these devices are. And that was something that really got a lot of people into the Nexus platform. Uh, but they're stepping up the quality game here with these uh, newer devices and trying to compete on that uh, on the uh, on that uh, quality side, like the the Samsungs and the iPhones. Yeah, which is uh, obviously one of the things that I think a lot of the the, the longtime fans of the Google hardware, um, you know, are are excited about that. You're seeing some of the best hardware out there running on, you know, the cleanest version of Android that you can get. And so that is, you know, a small price to pay in order to get what it is that you want with this. And so I think ultimately this is a, a good move uh, by Google if you're looking to you know, get in on, I'll say, a, a traditional price point. You know, the 649 is uh, is pretty decent, under $30 on a financing plan for two years. So that's not bad. All the way up to, you know, you can max out your Pixel 2 XL and it, it'll cost you $40 a month, which, again, I, I think it's a small price to pay for most people because they're not, um, you know, again, you spread it out over two years and that's that's no big deal. But um, ultimately, I, I think that's it, it was the right way to go. It's the right decision for them. And, you know, this is this is not just a hobby for them. It's not like what the Nexus line seem to be. Pixels are the mainstream devices. These are the ones that they're really focused on. Um, ultimately, they've got a version of Android that runs on just about any type of hardware that's out there now. And so they're trying to offer this premium experience and, and ultimately do the, the things that they need to to compete really with Apple, because obviously they're partners with Samsung and Motorola and whatnot. They're, they're, they are competing with as well, especially when you're talking about what you're buying. But when it ta- you're talking about the quality of the devices, they're really trying to come up with something that goes head to head. And I mean, the photos is a, such a big thing for most people now. Uh, and to have focused so much on that uh, in these devices uh, to get the scores that these are some of the best uh, smartphone cameras uh, ever created for a phone. Um, you know, they're they're outpacing the iPhones, uh, the latest iPhones that just came out already with the scores that they're receiving. So it does look like uh, they are getting uh, they're focusing on the things that uh, definitely matter. And ultimately, then up being able to upload an unlimited number of photos and, and videos um, is a great thing as well. So, again, focusing on the things that people care about and, uh, you know, kind of at the same time, getting the, the game leveled with uh, the, the home uh, speaker, the home Max. Uh, and then also with these buds, uh, you know, to go head to head with the AirPods as well. So doing everything kind of step in step with Apple, which is what you uh, kind of expect to see here. So anyway, a lot of great stuff here. Love it uh, to, to see that there's this competition that's out there that kind of keeps everybody's tide uh, or boat rising as the tide continues to rise uh, with the quality and the expectations that we have as consumers. Finally, uh, in general news, Ajit Pai will serve as the FCC's chairman for another five-year term after the U.S. Senate voted to extend his leadership with the agency. Some senators looked to unseat Pai, calling his tenure a threat to the open Internet. Since Pai took over the FCC in January, he's focused on undoing much of what previous chairman Tom Wheeler had put in place, including net neutrality regulations. Despite the opposition to Pai, the Republican-majority Senate voted him in. 
He says, I am deeply grateful to the U.S. Senate for confirming my nomination to serve a second term at the FCC. I look forward to continuing my work with my colleagues in advance uh, to advance these critical priorities in the course of time. In Verizon news, Verizon on Tuesday rolling out changes to its Verizon prepaid family account, letting subscribers take more control over the data available to each individual line. Data is available in 3, 7, and 10 gigabyte options, as well as unlimited. And the first line costs 40, 50, 60, or $80 respectively for each of those offerings. The two lines of service uh, can, or lines two through five, that is, can be added to the first line at a small discount. Those who subscribe to the three gig plan will receive a $10 discount per line on lines two through five. Those who opt for the seven gig plan will get a $15 discount. And those who opt for the 10 or unlimited, 10 gig or unlimited plans will get a $20 discount per line. Each line has its own data bucket and data is not shared across the account. Verizon's prepaid service does not include taxes or fees in the pricing structure. In device news, Apple says it's taking a look at an issue impacting the iPhone 8 battery. According to a number of reports, the iPhone 8 battery sometimes swells during charging to the point of damaging the phone, popping the back display off. Several iPhone 8 owners have posted photos of their devices that have burst open due to the swollen battery. Apple issued a brief statement saying we're aware and looking into it. The number of affected iPhones appears to be very small, and there have been no reports of any fires or burns. Customers experiencing the issue should take their devices back to the point of purchase for a refund or replacement. Yeah, and this is you know not unsurprising, especially with new batteries and, and a new device. Batteries sometimes do not work properly, and they do fail, and and uh, you know they do burst and swell in the, as a safe condition. Whereas the the, the Galaxy Note. Uh, seven that had the the fires caused they weren't wrapped quite properly thus causing uh the, the fires and smoke that was happening so uh you know swelling is not good and if you do have one that's doing this uh make sure you keep it in a safe place uh that's not uh, near combustible materials because you do want to get uh get that away just in case yeah and indeed and obviously there's a you know the, you're you've got the backing of apple with these to uh to replace these if you do have issues you've got a one-year warranty on it so even if it doesn't happen right away which hopefully it it I'll say it will for the sake of the, you know, identifying a defective a device. But even if it doesn't it happen sometime in the future, if it is problematic, Apple is generally very good about issuing recalls and even extending out warranties to take care of these types of issues. Just like they did with the uh, Series Zero, the very first generation Apple Watch as well, because there's, you know, some of those have been swelling and popping off the displays. Which, uh, ironically or coincidentally, I saw one this week. Somebody that I work with happened to have that happen. So, very interesting. Well, in BlackBerry news, yes, BlackBerry, this week, a new phone called the BlackBerry Motion. Uh, The phone has a 5.5-inch full HD LCD display and will sell for around $450. It's got a Snapdragon 625 processor with 4 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage, and a 4,000 milliamp hour battery with IP67 water resistance. No word on the camera specs, though. Availability will be in only select markets such as the UAE and Saudi Arabia. The U.S. will not be included in the initial launch. Verizon this week made the LG V30 available starting at $35 a month for 24 months on a Verizon device payment plan. The total cost of the monthly payments comes to $840 or $40 more than what AT&T and T-Mobile ask for the handset. However, customers who purchase a V30 are eligible for a free Google Daydream View handset. And those who purchase a V30 between October 5th and and November 6th can score a $200 Visa prepaid card. 
In software news, Google updating its Google Contacts application for Android to version 2.2 this week. That changes how it looks and functions. So now the main contact view card brings back large photos, action buttons, and profile details. The action buttons in particular can be useful for quickly initiating new messages, emails, and video chats. Google says its suggested contacts tool should behave more uniformly across Google products, especially concerning those contacted frequently. The merge tool gains the ability to merge all duplicates into at once directly from smartphones. Finally, users can customize the contacts lists view uh, to show only certain labels if they so desire. Google Contacts 2.2 for Android is free to download from the Play Store. And Facebook recently made its smaller data-saving Messenger Lite application available to Android users in the U.S. The app has been available in emerging markets where meter data connections are the norm. Messenger Lite is less than 10 megs to install on most handsets and loads fast, runs efficiently, and uses less mobile data. The app was built to function under adverse network conditions and allows people to send one-on-one or group messages, make voice calls, as well as send photos, videos, and links. Facebook Messenger Lite does not include advanced features such as Facebook Stories, and it strips out features such as events and birthdays. It is free to download from the Google Play Store. And Google increasing its availability of its Allo messaging application to more desktop browsers and mobile devices. Specifically, the service is now available to the Firefox and Opera browsers. It was previously only available within Chrome. The messaging service can now also be accessed online by iOS users. It previously only was available online to those using Android handsets. It's unique because it uses a baked-in support for the Google Assistant. It, the new support for Firefox, Opera, and iOS is rolling out slowly over the next few days. Microsoft on Monday announcing changes to its music offering for Windows devices and will transition from its Groove music service over to Spotify. According to Microsoft, the Groove music media player application will continue to work for playing back uh, owned music on Windows devices, but will no longer offer the option to stream, purchase, or download music after December 31st. Microsoft says all Groove music pass customers can easily transition their curated playlists and libraries to Spotify. The newest Groove music application for Windows devices will encourage customers to initiate the transition from Groove to Spotify. Spotify has more than 30 million tracks available for on and offline listening. Groove Music Pass customers may qualify for a free 60-day trial of Spotify Premium, which normally costs $10 per month. Coincidentally, about a couple of weeks ago, I remembered that I had a bunch of free music from uh, this Google Groove, or I'm sorry, the Microsoft Groove service. And I went and downloaded all of the MP3s and got them all, you know, kind of backed up in my MP3 collection. And then this news came out and I'm like, oh, I guess that was good to get all those uh, files out of that system. That's one of those things. If you're not on top of this stuff, ultimately the, you know, the free stuff can go away and these services come and go fairly regularly. So you got to stay on top of what's happening with all of this stuff. Microsoft on Thursday also uh, made a beta version of its Edge browser available for Android and iOS. The beta available to registered Windows insiders requires users to initiate the sign-up process through a Windows 10 PC. Edge for mobile devices ports over popular desktop features including favorites, reading list, new tab page, and reading view. It can also sync bookmarks and browser history with the desktop and includes a built-in QR code reader. It's only available in the U.S. to beta testers in English for now. They also released a new launcher for Android handsets, and this replaces the native home screen on Android in favor of Microsoft's. It includes Windows 10 features such as favorites, recent photos, documents, and more. Before this week, the Microsoft launcher for Android was in beta status via the Microsoft Garage.
In OS updates, Apple releasing iOS 11.0.2 for both the iPhone and iPad. It's a minor update, but tackles a bug that resulted in a crackling during voice calls on the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. The update also issues uh, takes care of that is some issues related to photos not appearing in the Photos app. iOS 11.0.2 is free to download over the air. So uh, I found this interesting that this update came out because I determined that the Photos app was was a big cause of a lot of my initial battery drain. And what I found was it was having to re-index my entire library. And this took days. And ultimately, um, it did, once it got done, made the performance of the phone's battery better. Um, but it was one of those things where it, it started, I think, on Tuesday, and it didn't get done until maybe Thursday. And what was happening was, like, at, at one point, I opened up photos, and I had nothing in my photos. Zero photos, no shared albums, nothing. Like, everything was gone. Um, and then after about five seconds of panic, they started to trickle in. And so something happened. And I'm not exactly sure if this was just a, a regular re-indexing that happens because of this uh, this upgrade in the OS or what it was, but um, it, it, it would go through. And then, of course, it was trying to churn through and make sure that all of the photos were synchronized. And that was a whole nother thing. And so then it would pause because it was trying to not use all of the power uh, and stuff like that. So it just took a long time to get through it. Right. Now, I haven't seen anything like that on my iPhone or even the iPad. However, I've noticed some kind of inconsistent file upload and in, in with the phone, it hasn't been uploading even when it's on Wi-Fi. It has not been uploading the pictures, and I'm not sure why that's happening. Um, it's, it's being a little fussy. I'm sure they'll get these bugs worked out. Uh, there's always all these crazy bugs during these new uh, OS releases here. So I'm just going to try to not panic yet. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there are a number of things that have come up. I mean, I noticed that, um, you know, Dropbox was no longer updating and went in and noticed that somehow the background setting for background uploading had just gotten turned off. And this was on both my iPad and on my wife's iPhone. So ultimately, it, it, it just one of those things that decided that that was, uh, you know, that was something that was going to get turned off. Right. And I've seen a bunch of things like that as well. Of course, I've noticed in notifications using the, the stock email for exchange services, when you tap on a, a notification for an email, it does not launch you into that email like it always used to. It it just it may if you're lucky, it may open the email app, but it won't take you into that account and into that message at all. It just opens the email app if you're lucky. Yeah, not not great stuff here. And we were talking the other day. I mean, there's interesting things that are now inconsistent um, and, and you brought up this one about the Wi-Fi networks that is very interesting. Right. And, you know, if you go to the high seer on the Mac, you know, the, the signal strength is still the old dots, uh, which are showing on the watch as well. The, the dots versus the iPhone and iPad are now the, you know, kind of the antenna signal bars uh, like the old time. So come on, Apple, get together here. And, you know, are you going to which way you're going to indicate signal dots or bars? Let's do all or nothing. But nope, we're just going to make it all inconsistent all over the place. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, we could probably talk about a hundred of these things, but either way, uh, bugs is what they will squash with these smaller updates. Uh, features is what they will release with the point updates. So we'll just watch for that one, which I, I think we're on the third beta here now. So we probably should see that within the next 30 to 45 days. Yeah, I would think so. I, the 11.1, I have the beta, uh, public beta of that running on the iPad. It sounds like next week they're going to release another version of the public beta point one to uh with a bunch of new emojis in it and i'm sure a bunch of other little things will be fixed as well 
So not long, and we'll see ourselves with a, uh, a 0.1, 11.1 out for these devices. Also this week, Apple making uh, watchOS 4.0.1 available to the Apple Watch Series 3. According to the release notes, it's a minor update focusing on a bug preventing the Watch Series 3 wearables from connecting properly to Wi-Fi networks, which in turn prevented LTE connectivity from working correctly. It said, quote, watchOS 4.0.1 fixes issues. Uh, in it that were in rare cases causing Apple Watch to join unauthenticated captive Wi-Fi networks such as those found in public places like coffee shops and hotels, which directed a user to a web page before the network could be accessed. Uh, the net update resolves that issue. WatchOS 4.0.1 is free to download over the air. I know it doesn't apply to you, Mickey, but did you get an OS update for your watch, or is this just apply to the uh, Series 3? Uh, it's just Series 3. I, I checked after this came out, and it, it was it was not there. And uh, just to be clear, the over-the-air download is, of course, on the phone. The watch has to be updated via the phone as it's charging over 50%, yada, 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 all these things that you have to continue to do to update your watch. Questions and comments this week. We've got a couple. Uh, first comes from Scott. He says, uh, there was a, recently a report that the iPhone 10 screen is smaller than the iPhone 8 Plus. The screen size says 5.8, but that's the diagonal with the notch on the top. But side by side, the photos show that the iPhone 8 uh, Plus screen is actually bigger. Uh, just mentioning it because I will be sticking with the iPhone 8 Plus as a result. Scott, uh, a great point uh, and you know one that I, I think a lot of people are not realizing is that the size, even though it does show us a little bit bigger, and maybe mentally you then say, well, I, I want the, big, the biggest screen that I can possibly get. It has to do with those notches, which, as we know, are only being used for certain pieces of information at the top of the screen and not necessarily for all of the usable si things that you would use the screen for. Right, and that's why the, the diagonal uh, measurement is so great for Apple with this particular uh, case because they can go from one corner and all the way to the other corner, and there is a big chunk of the screen taken out that they're you know, that they're counting as part of the screen size, which really isn't, uh, it, it, it's, it, it is kind of being a uh, fudgy here, fudging the numbers. Yeah. It's a little, little, I don't want to say nefarious cause it's not like they're doing it, you know, maybe, well, they're probably doing it intentionally cause they want to say they've got a bigger screen, right? So they've got, this is the biggest screen we have, but usable for what it is. It's not quite that big. Finally, a comment from Matt. He says, guys, I know your time is valuable. Uh, all of ours is, but if you have a couple hours to spare, I encourage you guys to watch the October 4th Google Pixel event on YouTube rather than just going through summaries. Um, even as an Android fan, uh, the approach Google is taking looks like it could be the beginning of a real separation between them and Apple, assuming they deliver. It's, it's relevant to the email about last week and iOS not changing much over the last few years. Uh, I found it interesting just from the advancement of the cell phone market point of view. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, Matt, uh, you know, obviously, thanks for writing in uh, for the recommendation. It's obviously a good one. Um, you know, more than anything, make sure you're doing your own research and not just going off of what media sites and media outlets are telling you, including us. Uh, certainly, we are, you know, we've got our own biases about this stuff. And so uh, if you're going to be spending $650, $850 or more dollars on a phone, you need to be doing uh, all the research you possibly can, everything from what the manufacturer is doing to, you know, commentary and criticism from media outlets to pretty much any anything you can get your hands on so you understand it. Absolutely. And, you know, watching the, the, the manufacturer's keynotes, even, you know, even from Microsoft, Google, uh, the developer ones, the Apple ones, they, you know, some of them are drier than others and other times they're actually pretty interesting with what they're doing, but you lose all of that flair and, you know, the, the, the company spirit that they're doing in these presentations when you just read summaries online. 
Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of great stuff out there. A lot of people are taking you know the time to put in uh, for you know video reviews or at least initial impressions and and going through and and rehashing everything that they've heard and trying to find little nuggets of things and 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 whatnot. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth it to take the time out for yourself to to check this stuff out to understand exactly what it's all about. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.